Hey, we've been uh, on this series that will conclude today, uh, Up, In and Out. The first week I talked about up, that we take up our worship to God. And we declare with our lives uh, that we worship Him and Him alone. And last week, uh, Pastor Clayton talked about the out, that we're responsible to apply the goodness of God out to those who are unbelievers. And in our midst, you know, as we just celebrated uh, amazing the amount of people that responded to the gospel last week, which was really cool. Uh, and then today, I'm concluding this uh, by looking at the end, how we apply the good news of the gospel uh, in our lives. Uh, but to start my message, uh, because so many of you have made comments, uh, I need to talk about the well, the coffee house. So uh, I told you a few weeks ago how excited I was to introduce you to a new missional partner. We've been looking for a coffee partner. We wanted very high quality coffee to be served, but we wanted it to be a mission-based coffee company. The Well is a missional coffee house focused on sustainable solutions to poverty and they turn profits into hope. The Well sources beans from local growers uh, in six different countries, and they provide clean, sustainable water solutions to all of those local growers. So what does that mean to you at New Hope? So currently, we have been charging for coffee, and less than 8% of you use this service on a Sunday morning. We are now very proud to pronounce that the highest quality coffee will be freshly brewed every Sunday morning, and for you, it will be completely free of charge. Every time you receive the highest quality, freshly brewed cup of coffee on Sunday morning, you will in turn be supporting our missional partner around the world. And the well, as you can see their motto, coffee isn't just from somewhere, it's from someone. And so we're really proud to partner with them. Your ongoing faithfulness in your giving and your tithes and your offerings goes to our missional budget and we'll fully fund this out of that particular budget. Now, as you leave today, we wanted to give you a sample of this high quality coffee that The Well produces. Now, they take their coffee really seriously. You'll see on here that this particular blend, you'll have a note of blueberry, chocolate, and floral will hit the back of your palate as you drink this coffee. <laughs> and so uh, our brewers and stuff come in this week. If, if, if we aren't serving next Sunday, it'll be the following Sunday for sure. Um, but really, really proud of our new partnership with this missional partner. And so does that sound good? Yeah. Well, today, in the moments that we have remaining, I want to talk to us about our call to be the church, the bride of Christ. I want to give my best attempt to persuade you to be fully convinced that the local church is the hope of the world. And our call is to give hope and to give help. And to start that, I wanna to go to God's word. And so if you're able to, would you please stand to your feet as we read from the word this morning. I wanna read two passages to us. The first is found in Acts chapter two, verses 42 to 47, and it reads, 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And the second text is in Matthew 5, 14 to 16, and it reads, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Many years ago, when my wife and I moved to the great country of the US of A, we met uh, an old, eccentric French theologian who would become my mentor. This particular day that uh, I was to meet him at his house for the first time, it was a, a cold winter's day, and uh, he had an old, small, dark house that didn't have an obvious front door. And I went up, I was, I was nervous. I had read this theologian's books, uh, I was aware of his work and his reputation, uh, and I was really, really nervous as a young pastor. And I knocked on the door, and he opened and invited me in, and very quickly he said, uh, do you have all of my books? And I said, oh, I think I have all of, I think most of them. And he's like, well, here, take this one and this one and this one, pause me up. And then he gives me the keys to his brand new BMW that he's never driven before. And he says to me, uh, an old student just gave me this car, you will drive us to lunch. Well, I was already nervous enough to be meeting him without driving a brand new car that he'd never driven before. But he takes me to an old Irish pub and we sit down, he orders a large pint of Guinness beer and me a Diet Coke and we sit down and he starts to talk and I'm just trying to concentrate on his thick French accent but I don't wanna miss out on anything he's saying and he starts to talk about the church. He starts to talk about the church found in Acts chapter two. It was my first introduction to a vision of the church, a grand vision and as he spoke, more passion exuded from him as he talked about the beauty, the power and the potential of the local church as it's described in Acts chapter two. He went on to say that, that people in that early church got so connected to one another that they started to refer to each other as brothers and sisters. That they were so connected in community that they were honest with one another and they self-disclosed their shortcomings and they worshiped with great joy and freedom and liberty. They prayed for one another, but not just ordinary prayers. They prayed bold prayers for one another and God answered them with miracles, signs and wonders. 
And so what's going on in the church in Acts chapter two, this old Frenchman asked me. And throughout my years of being mentored by him, every time he asked a question, it was rhetorical. And every time I would fall for it and I would start to answer, he just continued to talk over the top of me. He said so much power that the people outside the church actually wanted to figure out what was happening inside the church. Then looking up from his Guinness, he would say in a thick French accent, Grace, is God still transcendently powerful? Does the Holy Spirit still have his stuff? Does Jesus Christ still redeem and restore lives? Are the scriptures still sharp as a two-edged sword? Are they able to pierce through the human heart? He would say, why can't there be a dynamic, powerful Acts 2 church in our culture, in our city, in our day? And then he looked me square in the eyes in this kind of high challenge moment. He said to me, then why don't you dedicate every day of the rest of your life to building and establishing one of those kind of Acts 2 churches in our culture today. Now pass me the salt and pepper. <laughs> in those months and years with Dr. Gill, he would cast that kind of vision over and over again. What the church could be if it was built and constructed like the one in Acts chapter two. And I got seized by that vision. The vision of the beauty, the power, the potential of the local church. The truth is, vision is a powerful thing, isn't it? Have you ever been seized by one? Caught up, captured by it? You start to see a preferred future with such clarity. It produces passion in you. Vision makes you say, I can't stay here anymore. I can't stay like this anymore. I have to do something. The truth is people live for visions. And more often than we like to admit, people actually die for the lack of vision. For such is the power of vision. Recently in July, uh, a group of us from New Hope went down to the Dominican Republic for a, a week of missions. While we're in the DR this day, uh, we met this lady. Uh, her name is Yi Yi, she's 84 years old. She has 10 adult children, 24 grandchildren, and 10 great-grandchildren. This day, I was sharing with her, and she told me that she was taking one of her grandsons to the hospital in the local bus, and she had her arm out the window when a truck sideswiped the bus and took her arm off. And she has had been having seizures ever since that moment. Well, the next day, I went to visit Yi Yi, and I was quite a distance from her house, and on the street, I noticed that she was out there being bathed. In the middle of the street, out front of her house, 84-year-old Yi Yi was totally naked, sitting on a chair while other people bathed her. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. At the very time that Yi Yi was being bathed, she then went inside and our team from New Hope started to build a bathroom for her a bathroom that could bring dignity to this 84-year-old woman. 
And so here is uh, Ray and Ryan and Antonio. Um, why did I use models? No, no, these are just New Hope guys, right? They're not, they're not models, right? But this is directly outside of Yee's house where that cement is, is the same place she was being bathed just earlier than this. And so you fully funded for a bathroom to be built and this is the bathroom on the back of her house that we were able to build that would bring dignity not only to Yee but to four generations. Over 30 people are now able to be in that house. You guys funded not only Yee Yee's bathroom, but two other households. Three bathrooms were completed on that trip. Well, a couple of weeks after we came back, another mission organization heard about New Hope and the three bathrooms that we had built. They went into the town and built another 10 bathrooms because we went first. See, it's moments like this and stories like Yee Yee that convince me in my heart of hearts that the local church is in fact the hope of the world. See, I wanna continue to explain to you why I am convinced why I have come to this conclusion. You see, in the Dominican Republic, we work with a local church there called Central Church of Jehovah Nissi. And that town has started to know that that church is a place that you go to to get hope and to get help. New Hope, you funded for 300 children that week to receive school supplies. And here are the children all celebrating that they're starting school the following week with all of their school supplies because your generosity and because the local church is the hope of the world. Now, in April, when we had learnt of this church, we uh, found out that they have a real heart for a baseball ministry. But their baseball ministry uh, lacks any equipment. And so you might remember that in the spring, we cast that vision for New Hope to go out and get baseball equipment. And we took 20 suitcases of baseball stuff down there. And then on the last night, they had no idea that we had all this equipment with us. They simply had a dream and a vision of using baseball to be a ministry. You guys generously went out, got all this stuff. We found out that they had literally three baseballs. And they told me that the game stops when a ball is hit into the, into the trees and they can't find it. That's kind of the end of practice, and that's the end of the game. So on the last night, we have this big worship service and all of the New Hope team go outside to the bus and start getting these suitcases ready. And I'm up the front with the senior pastor and the head elder, and I start talking about their faith to have a vision that they could be a local church that's the hope of the world and use baseball to reach kids. And so I said, you need some baseball bats. And so I said, go on and, and bring the baseball bats in. And so some of our New Hope team grabbed some suitcases and walked down the center aisle. And as the church saw this, they started getting on their feet and just cheering as the team came in. And they brought these bats down the front. And then 
I said, you need some baseball gloves. And we had about like five suitcases of baseball gloves. I said, come on, bring, bring the gloves down. Well, as the gloves came, the emotion started to just move through the total room. And now this church was jumping and clapping and praising God for the provision of bats and of gloves. But remember, they've been using three balls. And so the, the fun was to say, here is 500 baseballs that we brought forward and put up the front. This next photo is, is me and the head elder, and he is just weeping on my shoulder. And he said, I have never seen this amount of baseball equipment in one place at one time. That was an incredibly emotional night as we represented all of you and showed that the local church is the hope of the world. Well, a couple of weeks after we got back, they sent me this photo, and this is the first baseball uh, camp that they put on. Every one of those kids with gloves and bats and balls and over 100 kids heard the gospel message that day because of our partnership. You know, we were so generous as a church with this mission. We had this one other idea to bring in several hours away, but to bring in for the kids uh, an inflatable. And so on this day, we've got another photo of the lineup for this inflatable. Now check this out. These kids had never seen an inflatable in their lives. And for hours they played on this inflatable. And I stood back on the road and took that photo with my phone. And I remember saying one of those prayers, and maybe you've said it before, but I said, God, if you continue to do that, I'll continue to do this for as long as you'll have me do it. Deal? Deal. You see, the message of Jesus Christ is the only message powerful enough to change the redemptive direction of a person's life. And that message has been entrusted primarily to the local church. The local church is the hope of the world because it is the only message that can transform a human heart. No matter how successful a business is, it can't do it. The entire government can't do it. The education system can't do it. The local church is the only final hope for this world. I have this conviction. I believe it to my core. And if the local church is the hope of the world, then we've got to do all we can do to continue our goal of new hope operating at the zenith of its potential. Because in fact, the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. And if the church really is the hope of the world, then you really, really matter. The last couple of years, we all know that the church has come under some questioning. Questions like, can the local church, the hope of the world, actually sustain itself going forward through the pandemic, through the political climate, through the attendance decline, and into the next generation, and on to the end of the age? 
A lot of people have grown pessimistic about the church. They see church after church closing down, and some cultural commentators have even said it's dying. That's not true, but a lot of people say that it is. Just like there were empires that were supposed to be permanent fixtures in history, like the Persian, the Roman, the Ottoman, huge empires that were supposed to pass the test of time have come and gone. So why would we have any confidence in this thing called the church that it could outlast empires, dynasties, and dictatorships? And well, the answer of that question, that answer is found in Matthew 16, verse 18. It says, I will build my church. This is Jesus himself speaking. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The answer for our confidence in the church, I like a way a pastor of mine once put it, he said, what gives us confidence in the church's sustainability? Well, that's easy. It is who is building it? Who's in charge of it? Who's regenerating it? Who's recreating it from age to age? Who's protecting it throughout history? And that's none other than Jesus Christ himself, God's son, the second person of the Trinity, the sustainer of the church until the end of time. My mentor, Dr. Gill, would say, the only thing that Jesus is doing between when he ascended to the Father and when he comes back for his bride, the only thing he's doing is building his church. He's not directing the angelic choir, they're singing just fine without him. He's not fretting about the planet spinning out of orbit because they're behaving just nicely. He's not taking long naps or doing wordle puzzles. His full-time focus and attention, 24-7, is on building his church, the hope of the world. And he's building it in Durham and in Dublin, in Raleigh and in Rome, in Chapel Hill and in Cape Town, in Apex and in Amsterdam, in Pittsburgh and in Paris, in Morrisville and Mumbai, in Kerry and in Cairo, in all places, all over the globe. And as he does it, he does this incredible thing all over the world and right here in this room this morning. He does this incredible thing where he takes people just like you and just like me and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he taps you on the shoulder and it happens one by one. He says, hey, Jalen, hey, Brooke, Hey, Amy, hey, Eric, hey, Mike, I have a critical role for you to play in building my church in this location. Part of the reason why I called you to myself, part of the reason I redeemed you from your sin and gifted you with spiritual gifts and prepared you for such a time as this was that you would be able to step into this particular critical role at New Hope Church. If you've ever felt that kind of tap on your shoulder from the second person of the Trinity, if you're a Christian, I'm sure at some point you've acknowledged a nudge from God himself about engagement in his church. How can we possibly say no to a God who's asking us to join the privilege of building his church, the hope of the world? Well, you know what, God? Even though you're building the church, the hope of the world, I'm, I'm a little busy right now working on my golf game. God, I'm a little busy right now climbing the corporate ladder. I just don't have margin in my schedule to help build 
the church. God, I'm just a little busy pursuing that guy right now. I'm just building my wealth so I can have that down payment for that new house. And when that happens, I'll have margin again and I can sign up and serve in the local church. Please, I beg you, don't be saying that this morning. Don't be saying that I'm so busy that you miss out on what today is. Today be the person who takes a fresh commitment. Freshly commit yourself to the role that you've been invited to play in the local church as God builds it. Today be struck again that God would include you in his grand vision, this life-giving, life-transforming endeavor called the local church. Because what could possibly change the trajectory of the communities that are around us? In reality, the communities around our church, those who are far from God, they need hope and they need help. There are so many people living around our church who are desperately waiting for fired up Christ followers from New Hope to strategically intersect in their life and give them hope and give them help. For us at New Hope, to reach our full redemptive potential in Christ, we need all of us Amen. to go all in. Yeah. Meaning, the person who is sitting in your seat today, we need you. You really, really matter. And now if you're asking the question, so what can I do? I'm glad you asked. I told you I was gonna talk a little about this trifold. Because as a church today, we wanna both hold the fact that we have a resolve, a commitment, a conviction that we are part of the great hope of the world, the local church. And because of that conviction, we are propelled to go out and deliver that hope with real tangible help. And so you'll see on the middle section, as you open it up, the title, Give the Gift of Hope. <clears throat> we have three missional partners that we're gonna support in this season. These kids are gonna receive a gift for Christmas that's provided by you, but as a secret giver. So dignity will be given to the parents that their child will receive a gift this Christmas. And we have three different missional partners that we're using for that. And as you leave today, you'll see on the table and the Christmas trees that there's a whole lot of gift tags that you can take. Have a look at them, identify with the age of the child, and we're asking you not to leave today without grabbing one of those tags. Now, one of our missional partners is Prison Fellowship, and there's these angel tree tags out there they have all of the information that you'll need, but these are notes that are written to children from their incarcerated parents. I wanna read a couple to you. This is for a 10-year-old girl named Jayla, and her dad writes, I'm sorry I'm not there to spend the holidays with you, but I promise it won't be like this forever. God is preparing in me 
every way to right the many wrongs so that I can be with you again, baby girl. Then this was a five-year-old boy, Kendra, and his dad says, Daddy loves you so much, I think about you every day. I'm sending you and mummy one great big hug. Take care of mum, for that's what big boys do. See you later, son, I love you, daddy. And then this is an 11-year-old boy, Cameron. I love you, young prince. This will be the last Christmas we spend apart. You are my world, my life, and my everything. Love, Dad. You know, Jesus himself said that we are to remember the prisoner. Let me remind us of that. Matthew 25, 44 says, then they will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth, when you refuse to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. Maybe this morning the tap on your shoulder will be one from your heavenly Father softening your heart towards a prisoner. And that you'll leave today and grab one of these angel tree tags and it'll be your way of living out the fact that you're part of the hope of the world, the local church. We have tags for Fathers Forever Mission and also for Fayetteville Elementary under-resourced families. You can also go onto the Amazon uh, gift registry and follow the prompts and be a part of that. <coughs> and then lastly, in the trifold, you'll see the 2022 Christmas offering in the middle section. Over the coming weeks, I'm inviting you to prayerfully consider if God has blessed you with additional resources this year, that you would consider giving a generous gift to our end of year offering. You'll see on the trifold, there are three areas that this uh, offering is going towards. Firstly, something for our home church. Our children's ministry space needs more room. They're maxed out now and it's hindering the ministry model and growth in our kids' ministry. We need to update the floor plan and make it brighter and bigger. We have the space, it just needs to be reconfigured and redesigned. And if we do that, then we could see even more of what we saw last week. Well, check this out. Last Sunday, there were eight kids who raised their hand for Jesus to be their forever friend. That happened last week. And we wanna see more and more of that happen in our space on Sunday mornings. Secondly, you might have picked up that we're expanding our local uh, missional partners. And so in 2023, we wanna be fully funded as we apply God's love tangibly in our local community to give hope and to give help locally. And then thirdly, we continue to extend our impact in the DR. We've got three trips in the works for next year. And we wanna help that church uh, expand their facil facility uh, by building a classroom at the back of their church so that they can have more compassion international kids in their program. Really tangible way for us to be a part of that. Now, this is a special offering. What does that mean? 
That means not one red penny will go into our daily expenses as a church. If you give for this, it will be designated for these three initiatives. Now, by the way, we are doing just fine financially as a church. We're in the black, we're healthy, and we have healthy cash reserves. So we can be generous. That's what I'm inviting us into as a church, to be generous. Now, I have one final tip for married couples. As you discuss this special Christmas offering, and you take time individually to go away and pray that God would give you a particular number, and then make a time to come back together and to share that number with one another, then the number that is highest is the one God wants you to give. (laughs) That's about as subtle as a sledgehammer. (laughs) Hey, we're gonna come around a time of communion, so I'm gonna invite you to take out your elements, and if you're able to, if you'd please stand to your feet. Every seven days, we come around this sacred moment. Every seven days, we are reminded that it is not by our works that we are saved, but it's by the act, the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ, that he allowed himself to be nailed to a cruel Roman bloodstained cross, that he would allow his body to be broken and his blood to be shed, that the payment for our sin, our wrongdoing, could be paid once and for all. And then because of his death, his burial, and then his resurrection, we are all invited into this grand master plan to be the local church, the hope of the world. This reminds us what we hold in our hands, that it's not about our failings, it's not about our talents, it's not about our works, it's that we know Jesus as our Saviour, our Lord and our leader. And so go ahead and peel off the bottom revealing the bread. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he symbolically took bread He wanted his first followers to realise that his body is literally going to be broken, to be beaten and torn apart. And he gave us this command, that when we gather like this, we remember the sacrifice that was paid. And he said these words, when you take this, eat this and remember me. Let us eat and remember. Go ahead and peel off the top, revealing the juice. At the same time, Jesus, again, really symbolically took the cup. For he was literally gonna shed his own blood that the the new covenant could be established between God and his people. And again, he said these words, when you drink this, remember me. So let us drink and remember. Thank you, God. 
Father, we are a redeemed people because of the sacrifice of Jesus and we give you thanks for it today. Father, we thank you for this incredible invitation to be the local church. God, we thank you for this expression of the local church we call New Hope. God, we love this church. We're so grateful for how you have blessed us to be a blessing. And as we've discussed today, how we can practically love people and deliver help this Christmas season, I pray that you would stir within us that we wouldn't leave without grabbing one of those tags today. And Father, I pray as we continue to expand missional partnerships that you would put us, as Matthew 5, a light on the hill. God, that more and more people around us would wonder what is going on inside that church. For they have a hope that I do not have. And God, our lives would be walking, talking billboards for your kingdom. And may it be true this week, we pray. We love you, God, and we are incredibly grateful for how you have seen fit to bless our church. We love you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said? Amen. Amen.